love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined here by the recently fully vaccinated ultra marathoner, professional triathlete, Alyssa Gadeski. I feel like, you know, your newest title, fully vaccinated, is is probably the best one right now. Do you feel that way? I do. I like it. I like the, the sound of it. Um, I definitely have a countdown going now for 14 days until... I'm like officially, officially really full antibody load in my body and like ready to defend off all the COVID-19 that comes at me. But um, it feels pretty good to have that second shot done and not hanging over my head. Haley, I was going to be interested in if you also, if like our second shots coincided. Um, But, you know, sorry, listeners, you'll have to listen to our stories now about our second (laughs) vaccine shots for two weeks in a row here. Um, Well, because you had the Pfizer vaccine and I had the Moderna. So Pfizer's 21 days, Moderna's 28 days. So you're a week ahead of me now. But you're a couple days post-vax. Like, how are you feeling? Did you have, you know, some side effects from the second shot? Because I've heard it can be rough. So after the first one, I had a headache. Like I remember this headache that was pretty bad and it like it was so bad it actually like woke me up that night, right? But then in the morning and the next day I felt fine. This time I got the shot on 9 a.m. ish on Saturday morning and I felt fine all day Saturday. I started to feel like I was getting a headache all of a sudden Saturday night. But again, Haley, it's like one of those things where I'm like, am I just giving myself a headache because I think that's what happened to me last time and that's what people say happens, you know, so whatever. So then I went to bed and then I definitely woke up that night again with like the same kind of thing with like the headache feeling like, ugh. and then Sunday I it like ebbed and flowed. It was weird. I I felt okay waking up like once I got moving, I definitely didn't feel 100 percent normal. But again, it's like how much am I just inventing in my own head because I like know that this could be happening. Right. So um, I felt a little bit like my chest was a little bit off and I felt like I had a headache. But as I got moving and I got up and I had coffee, I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better again. So like, who knows what I'm making up? Um, I did my my first bit of training that actually went really well. So I was like, okay, I'm good. And then I went to go swim and kind of during the swim, I started to feel like uh, it was a pretty hard swim. And I was like, something, you know, and again, am I looking for an excuse that of the reason why I was missing some of these times here? Like, I don't know, right? But I finish up the swim, I get out, I get in my car and I was like, oh, like I really feel like I could be getting like the flu. Like it felt like the very, 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 very beginning feeling of the flu and like body aches, my chest kind of hurt. And I was just like, and then but then I went back home. I relaxed for a little bit. I just kind of hung out and then it started to dissipate through the day and I felt better and better. So I would say that what would that be 24, like 30 hours after it? was probably the worst. But again, I didn't adjust my training because I was feeling, you know, just trying to feel it out as I went. And so I do think that potentially doing some like harder stuff might have exacerbated some of the very minimal symptoms that were there, you know, and just like made it more clear that um, I wasn't 100% strength. But and then I went to bed, I woke up 
feeling like my normal great self. So wow. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like that seems pretty mild. And I have, I am scheduled to get my second shot this coming Sunday. And I am trying to like clear my whole schedule on Monday in case I feel bad. And even to the point where we were talking about recording next week and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I have like a, you know, tentative, um, my... <laughs> Can bail on you, Alyssa. Let you record on your own next week, <laughs> but um, because I that guess happens, just... listeners, I'll get ready for the magical five minute intro. Because <laughs> even if well, I think I'm talking a long time, I think five minutes might be like surprising for me. So, <laughs> no, just kidding. I bet I can make it ten. Yeah, I know. I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I feel well enough. But there's zero chance that I'm going to like try a hard training. I'm impressed that you even tried it. <laughs> Just in case, though, guys, you can send in mailbag questions. And if I am alone, if I'm solo, I'll just rip through some mailbag questions. So feel free to send them in just in case to give Haley a little cushion where she doesn't feel bad if actually feeling bad. If she does feel bad, (laughs) send those to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, there you go. You can answer all the questions while I'm away. Um, But there was some some things happening in the triathlon world this past weekend. Did you catch the race at Texas 70.3? I was able to catch the fact that a race was happening. Um, I was also catching the fact that people seem to be very disappointed that there wasn't kind of live coverage. I think we have been spoiled. The last couple big races that have happened for pro triathletes have been challenge uh, Daytona and challenge Miami. And they both had, superb above and beyond live coverage for the pro racing. And so this, this definitely was noticeable. I think that there really was nothing other than if you have the Ironman tracker to be watching. Um, but I did, I, I got that working again (laughs) and it's been a while since I've been on that app. Um, and I followed a little bit. Did you follow it? I followed a little bit. I, I agree. I, it's been a while since I've been on the Ironman tracker app and I forget how frustrating it is because I'm like, is this just me? Is it just my internet that gets going down? Is it the tracker? No, that was you happening know? to me a bunch actually this time too. And I was like, uh, like, and I'm like, I'm saying I had it. no internet and I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was what it, I was like. <laughs> and sometimes I am out of like internet, but I'm like, fine, I'm just going to go do my workout and just like, I'll find out what happened later. But um, we are getting a first-hand account of that race this week with our interview. We're talking to Lisa Beckeris, who finished eighth in that race a little bit later. So we can ask her about the coverage because she also was in Daytona and Miami and how, you know, if that changed her experience, I guess she's racing, so you don't necessarily notice. But we, it did make, I mean, Daytona obviously was a huge race with the huge prize money, but Miami, we talked to Paula Finley after that, how she felt like the race felt so big, even though it wasn't a huge prize money race. But coverage makes things, you know, a little different. You do sit there and watch versus when you're dealing with a tracker that goes, I mean, I'm glad we had the tracker. It's better than nothing. You know, it is still kind of, but it is like, oh, someone passed like 10 people and I, you know, I didn't see it coming. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's clearly a lot more to the race than just watching those, you know, people, the names kind of shift places on the app. You know, there's a lot more going on there. And it would just be fun to see that story unfold. Yes, and big congrats to Sky Monch for the win there. Uh, Jeannie Seymour, Jeannie Metzelmore, or Metzler, Metzler. I combined their names there. Jeannie Metzler. I think they, had, they <laughs> used a that one. hashtag, yeah. right? No, I didn't make that up. They used oh, that okay. hashtag on social media. Um, but Jeannie Metzler, both of Sky and Jeannie are Iron Woman podcast alums. Jeannie ran a 115 half marathon. Did you see that? That was that very impressive. That is speedy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Haley, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, I just say rounding out the podium, Sophie Watts, um, a newcomer to long course. I think she's an ITU athlete who that was her first ever 70.3. And she definitely, you know, made made her way to that podium. So I'm sure we're going to see more of her in the coming months and years. Haley, I was also super impressed. And I want to give her a shout out to Dee Dee Griesbauer. Dee Dee managed to come in top 10. And do you know off the top of your head how old Dee Dee is? I feel bad that this is probably what people like. Pretty sure she's fifty. Yeah, okay, right? I think she is. Yeah, and so I don't know the exact date of her birthday, but I know that like (laughs) she's fifty. I'm pretty sure. But it's it's just a joy to watch Dee Dee like tear it up. And I think she posted something pretty funny um, on her Instagram afterwards where she was like, I only knew like six of the 30 starters anymore because I'm like aging out of the, you know, pro field. And it's just it's from her perspective, I bet it is pretty fun to like see all the newcomers t- time after time because she's still there and she's still a force to be reckoned with. So congratulations. Second off the bike. Yeah. Second off the bike. (laughs) Mind blowing. So cool to watch. So definitely an inspiration. Oh yeah. We do. Didi was with us. She gave us her preview uh, for the challenge Daytona episode last December. Um, because she, even though she says she only knows a few, she knows everyone in the field. Everyone knows (laughs) Didi. And, um, but I mean, I think it, it is, fascinating because I feel like you know I'm 15 years younger than Didi and I've watched a lot of transitions to the sport and people come and go and you know she has 15 more years on us so um very cool and cool I mean it gives me a lot of hope for like it you know just that you can keep improving on the bike I hope Didi's not some kind of anomaly and that it shows that like yes our best cycling days aren't necessarily in our 30s it might be when we're 50. The caveat to that is you have to probably be willing to put in the work because I know I know Dee Dee puts in a lot of work, especially on the bike there. So um, but it's paying off, which is awesome. And Haley, I wanted to give you and our listeners an update on my inside tracker results. I talked about this a bit in the last couple months um, where I have been coming back from a stress fracture. And part of when I was diagnosed with that, I was quick, quick to get blood work done with inside tracker. So that I could see, you know, have a more full picture of what's exactly going on and where I can improve. And especially I was looking at bone health and things like that. So I did that initial test um, back like February 10th, I believe it was. And two markers really stood out to me then, Haley. One was my vitamin D. The other was my ferritin. And I checked it then six weeks later. So right as I got the clearance to start running again, the doctor was like, as long as, you know, the blood work comes back, that things are improving, going in the right direction, then you'd be cleared to start running. So <clears throat> I did that. It actually came in a couple weeks ago. And Haley, I'm very happy to report. Are you ready for my my official numbers? Yeah, I, I'm excited to hear these. So for vitamin D, the lowest of the ideal range is 30, 30 nanograms per milliliter, I guess. And initially I was 22. Um, and six weeks later, Haley, I'm 66. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I was like, I mean, I definitely really hammered. Are you supposed hammered. to like stay out of the sun now? I know. <laughs> Our listeners can't see us, but I swear my skin is still quite pale. So <laughs> um, I, you know, I was taking a vitamin D supplement and that clearly was absorbed and is working. So that was excellent to see. And then the second marker I really wanted to improve upon, Haley, was ferritin. And ideally, you want to be 60, like the low range of ideal. And um, I was 33, which, you know, again, I I liked getting 
the marker from Inside Tracker. Um, I was working with my doctor, but if you know, a lot of times doctors will see something like a 33 and just tell you you're good to go because I think for average people that's an okay number. Um, but for athletes, definitely like lower than what you would want. Um, and I went from 33 to 43 in six weeks, which for iron stores, I think is like a pretty solid jump up in the right direction as well. I think that probably tends to move a little slower and it's not something I really wanted to like just be chugging bottles of liquid iron to like for the sake of getting that number up. So, um, I'm super pleased to be headed in the right direction in both of those things, but I still have that work to do with my ferritin. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing there. And Haley, the inside tracker that I did had one other fun part of it. It had my inner age prediction. Oh, oh no. What is it? Oh no. I get nervous about this. Cause I'm like, you know what? I know my inner age. It's like 104. That's what I, that's what it would come back. That's how I feel when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, Dee Dee might be 50 years old and still racing like that, but my inner age is 104 and I still See, race like I do. But anyway, I'm tell like me what you're actual. Where I was like, mine's going to say I'm like 20. I'm like, I feel like I'm 20, 25 tops. Like, this is what it is. So I like, get ready. I open the thing expecting I was expecting a two in the first number for sure. It definitely wasn't. So my actual age is 35.8 and my inner age is 33.5. So at least it's ah. younger. But um, yeah, it wasn't that wasn't quite as like glorious as I was hoping. So I think I think part of that has to do with like family history with cholesterol levels and things like that. So um I don't know. So you're um, like, okay, I haven't had I time to just, fully investigate. I can't just but. get the Botox and then I'm like, my inner age will go down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dye the great hair. Yeah. No, that doesn't. It's inner age, outer age. Well, inside and out, Alyssa, you don't look a day over 20 to me. Oh. So. <laughs> you don't seem a day over 20. And I will happily embrace my, uh, you know, my like a centennial birthday. <laughs> I swear I'm a hundred. I feel so old, but, um, but there's still time for wisdom. So it's all good. Um, cool. Well, that is cool. I'm glad you got some good results. And, um, I, you know, if any of our listeners want to track their blood markers or their inner age, um, they can head to insidetracker.com forward slash iron women and get 25% off for any test. So any of the different blood marker packages, the inner age, I think there's a DNA genetic test there. Um, They have a couple. So check it out, insidetracker.com forward slash ironwomen. Haley, I have actually one other update. Maybe maybe this new hobby I'm picking up will help me be more youthful is that I, I mow the lawn again. We have to mow the lawn here at the house we rent in New Hampshire now. And so we got an electric lawn mower, Haley. And I mowed the lawn for the first time since I was like probably 13. I used to have to do it at with my parents. And can I just say that mowing the lawn is not as much fun if you don't have a self-propelled mower. And it's not as much fun if your dad doesn't pay you $20 for doing it. <laughs> your dad paid you. Oh, man. I know. Nice. I know. I was definitely like, I mean, and that was like the big bucks too, to do that job. Um, but he had a lot of rules with it. Like I had to mow it in certain directions because he liked the crisscrossing of the colors with the grass and the different directions, you know? And so I had to like really meet the standards to get the full amount if I was mowing the lawn. But um, yeah, so maybe that will bring me back to my youth. I don't know. Yeah, you're like, ah, I feel just like I'm 13 again. Um, I, my parents, I have, mo- I have 
I'm a part of their lawn. They're, they live on like five acres. And so it's a lot of lawn. But that's they have a, a ride. It's like they have one like a rider lawnmower. So you're like driving it. It's actually quite fun, except that I get like car sick actually like doing it. <laughs> on so, the lawnmower? Yeah. I get Whoa. I get like seasick car sick really easily. So I have to go pretty slow. Like I can't go really fast because otherwise it's like – but. The direction does make a difference, but where my personal, where I live in a condo, I have no no yard to mow. <laughs> but <laughs> enjoy your lawn mowing. Um, and you know, with that, we're not doing any mailbags this week. We have some, but we're working on those for like full shows. But if anyone does want to write in for for a listen next week or um, any other time, if you want to write in one that I will be here, I might be here to write it, to answer them next week. But ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com again is that email address and thanks to the folks who have written in we'll get to that and like i mentioned before we have a great interview this week Alyssa. um we are talking to lisa beckeris and lisa as i mentioned before she just finished eighth at ironman 70.3 texas she also raced challenge miami earlier this year i believe she was 11th at that race and she's a relatively new pro i think her first pro race was just in 2018 and since then, she has notched many top 10 or just outside the top 10, 70.3 or that middle distance uh, race finish. Her background is in running. She was a collegiate runner. She actually also was a collegiate coach for track and cross country. But now she's actually known as a super cyclist, often logging one of the fastest bike splits in the race and really working her way to the front of the race. So Lisa tells us about her background in sport, how she started triathlon, she how she came back from a pretty severe leg injury just in the past year and a half and what she thought about the race in texas this past weekend we'll have our conversation with lisa right after their word from our sponsors the iron women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to orca sportswear for their continued support in 2021 as someone who isn't a natural born swimmer my choices for swim gear are super important Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the Feisty Team Community Innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty like-minded friends. Plus we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to talk with you guys. 
Well, we are very stoked to hear about your eighth place finish at Ironman Texas 70.3 just a few uh, day or yesterday, yesterday. I'm Hours, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very recently um, this past weekend, but we were, Alyssa and I were watching the tracker and it looks like you had, you know, I mean, you had a very good race and you came out of the swim around mid pack, like 14th or 15th, but then you like blasted this incredible bike split. I think it was the third fastest bike split of the day in a field with very, very strong cyclists. And you came off the bike in fourth and ultimately finished in eighth, which was the final money spot of the day. So you did grab that paycheck paycheck. Um, how did you feel about your race? Yeah, I'm super, super stoked on it. Uh, for me. Well, I, I think that if you talk to more people about that swim in the race, it was it was rough. Like it was like, I've, I've also have never swam well there. So I was like, I'm going to have a good swim there. And I just get swallowed up by this weird current that I just can't figure out. And I, all oh, I can't find, I just never find the people I want to swim with. Um, but yeah, it was the, the bike is, that's like my, that's the thing I love to do. That's where I'm, I'm most confident. And, um, I'm always like, I get on the bike and I'm like, all right, we got people to catch and people to chase. Uh, and it was just fun to kind of chase, try and chase as many people down as I can and tough conditions. It was so windy. Um, but super, super stoked in that type of field. Uh, for me, it's, I'm, I'm stoked and I've never won money in an Ironman race before. So yeah. Oh, that's no. huge. Your first paycheck <laughs> race for an Ironman race. That's awesome. Congratulations. And yeah, thank you. Texas 70.3 was the first Ironman branded race we've had in the U.S. in a while. So tell us how was the pandemic Ironman racing experience? Um, it was definitely a bit different from like the um, just from you have to like schedule a time to do packet pickup, which was interesting. The expo is more or less non-existent. Um, there's not very many vendors. Um, they're all spaced out. They really restricted how many people could be in the expo at a certain time um and uh what else was weird the virtual pro meeting is weird and um I didn't know like I think I was like one of the only people with my my uh, video on I thought everyone had their video on and I just couldn't see it so I was like sitting there and you know how you kind of pay attention you're like on your phone it's a, when it's not in person I have a hard time like focusing <laughs> so I'm just like doing a lot of other things my roommate was like fumbling with her bike she's trying to like assemble her bike from like yeah so <laughs> I'm like my friend texted me a picture she's like you're the only one with your camera on and I'm like it's me totally not paying attention <laughs> um but yeah it was it I mean it's weird just because there's so many people you just don't see before the race and then you get to the start line and it's not like you can it's like the best time to catch up on everyone's lives and then at the at the end of the race you really don't see that many people either. Um, so that's a little bit odd, but from like the gun to the finish line, it's very much normal. Did they do any COVID testing? I was just curious if they did COVID testing. No, no COVID testing required. And I actually talked, I asked Paula about that and she said, um, it's like, it's would not be, um, because we can't keep you guys in like a bubble. She just said that it just wasn't kind of worth it. We're in challenge, like I did challenge Miami, and because all the pros were in the same hotel, um, they could kind of keep us in the COVID bubble. So I guess they found it more useful. But um, yeah, so no COVID testing. And one of the things, you know, watching from home, some of the kind of chatter around the race was about 
the lack of coverage that was given. Um, and so was there, you know, did you have a chance to like hang out at all in person with people? Was that a topic that was discussed? And, you know, was, was that something that was coming about like from people within the race too, or was it just us wanting to watch and see and projecting it on all of you guys? (laughs) Um, well, from like a race coverage standpoint, like, I, I mean, I know like Talbot and Kenny and, there were like Kyle were out there like Instagramming kind of giving updates on their social medias. Um, I I mean, I just like, it's so sad when you have such a field, like a stacked field like that. And there's zero coverage because Ironman doesn't want to cover anything with the pros. Um, It's kind of sad, but uh, we were like, I was able to talk to people like after the race that kind of finished around me and the people that I like traveled with or a couple of friends, but I wasn't able to catch up with, you know, all the, all the people that I would normally like to at, at the race. And we mentioned your bike split and you also had a really bikes a really great bike split when you, uh, finished 11th at challenge Miami last month. So that's two really strong performances on two very different bike courses. So do you prefer like the technical turns of a course like Miami, or did you like that long straight out and back of Galveston? Uh, it depends on the day. <laughs> um, both were so windy. I think um, I really did like the challenge Miami, how technical it was. But at the same time, because there was it was so windy, it kind of got sketchy doing some of those turns. Um, but it yeah, so there were there were times I wish I was more aggressive on that course. But then like, I like Texas because I like that it's flat and fast. But um it's also such a mental, mental game, especially yesterday on the way back with very strong winds. Like we went from going 30 miles an hour on the way out to 20 miles an hour, riding really hard, trying to stay super tucked in arrow. So um, I, yeah, I just like riding different bike courses. I think I used to think of myself as not a climber and I'm just like a, I'm a flat person, like flat course girl, but I think I do. I don't know. I just, I like when it's, it's variable and that you're doing different courses every time. And do you alter your bike training then to prepare for a specific course, depending on what's coming up? No, <laughs> maybe I, I probably should. I probably should, but, uh, no, I just do whatever's in the, in the training peaks that day. <laughs> I think whatever you're doing is working. So I'd stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much do all my intervals on left-hand Canyon here in Boulder. Like you see me there every other day whenever I have intervals. I'm like, ah, left hand. That sounds like a great road to, to do some workouts. on. Do you have a, a favorite bike training session? Like something like an interval session that when it pops up on your training plans, you're like super excited about it. Um, I think I argue with my coach all the time. Cause I, I, I complain about the workouts being so boring and monotonous. And he's like, we can literally break it off however you want. It's but we're gonna do sixty minutes of work. If you want to do four by fifteen or six by ten or you know ten by five or twenty by five, you can do that. Uh, but I, so I like anything that's different than that. <laughs> I like pyramids. Um, I like oh, do you know what I really like doing is if you have and I gotta talk to him about this. But if you have like a segment and it's like you know this hill is five minutes long and it's like okay go do. 10 by end car repeats or something like that. I think that's fun. Cause it's, I don't know. Maybe car is the name of the hill. Is that? 
Yes, yeah. There's a there's a name of a hill in in Boulder called Encar that I'm determined to get the QOM on at some point this year. All right. Do you <laughs> do you usually train solo or with a group? I bounce around a ton. I just train with whoever will put up with me and want to want to train with me. Um, for swimming, I do a lot of master swimming in Boulder, and um, we kind of had a swim squad going for a little with like Rachel Olson and like Sam Long and Andre Lopez and. Um, but then they all went to Tucson for two months. So I just tried to talk anyone at the pool who wanted to do a workout with me into doing a workout. Um, and then biking, um, Jeannie Messler and I biked a lot lot together last year, but now she's working with a new coach and her schedule is very different from mine. So, um, but sometimes we'll easy ride together. I have a friend Kelly that will, will ride with me. Um, pretty much anyone who will, yeah, anyone who will ride with me, I'm like, let's do it. And Lisa, we talked now a lot about your cycling, but you actually have a long history in running. You were a collegiate runner and then a collegiate cross country and track coach. So can you tell us a little bit about your coaching career and making that leap from coach back to athlete? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I ran at a small division three school in Indiana called DePauw University. And, um, the first time I ran, I think I ran like a couple cross country meets, like maybe in junior high and then like maybe two in high school, but I always played volleyball. And then I did track. I was like an 800 meter runner in, in track. And then I went to college and I was, the plan was to play volleyball and run track, but I had been hurt my senior year of high school, didn't play much volleyball. Um, and the cross country coach was essentially like, you should run cross country. So I showed up to like cross country practice the first day of caught like in college and they're doing like a five mile run. And I'm like, why do we have to run five miles? Like we race 6k. I don't understand. And I, I remember like I had to walk during, during that five mile training run. Um, but yeah, I loved, I loved my college experience, loved cross country, loved track. Um, and then at the end of my senior year of college, I started getting more interested in coaching. We had a graduate assistant at the time. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool to do what she does. And so I essentially just started applying to graduate assistant programs where I could do coaching collegiately and get my master's paid for. So it's kind of like win-win. Um, and I actually coached at Illinois Wesleyan University. So they hired me as a GA. I got my master's in biomechanics while I was coaching there. Um, and then they hired me on full-time as an assistant. So I stayed for another three and a half years. And it was amazing um i lucked out incredibly with the two uh, men coach Shu and coach huff that i got to work for they spoiled me as can be as an assistant coach um and it was awesome we actually won a national championship while i was there in 2015 the women's track team did which was pretty cool um but yeah so in 2017 i started getting more kind of like into triathlon. I was like, I think I could be like, okay at this. Maybe I want to try to go pro. And so I was like, I want to try to earn my elite license. And so in the fall, I actually earned my elite license. And um, I had a job opportunity out here in Boulder. And I was kind of like, this is it. I'm going to go like chase this dream. I'm going to be a professional triathlete and work this other job because coaching collegiately um, where you're essentially working every weekend at a cross country track meet and recruiting um, I essentially, I'd only be able to like race during the summer and I really wanted to kind of give it a go to, to, to really race and, and put it out there. So uh, saying goodbye to the team and telling them that I was, I was going to, um, leave in the middle of the school year was 
one of the hardest things I've ever done. I was, I was like bawling. I don't think I could have, it was even forming sentences, but, um, they were super, super supportive. And, um, yeah. So, and I still talk to a lot of them. I talked to coach Shu and Huff a lot too. So, um, do any of your athletes like follow your racing? Cause, because I think, you know, they see someone as a coach and then all of a sudden, like you see them as a professional athlete, like that isn't something you normally like the transition. I'm just curious if, or if any of them picked up triathlon after college, because I saw you do it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get the more of them to do triathlon, you know, they, cause after college running, you're like, Oh, my body's beat up. Let's get into it. Like, I'm like, go buy a bike and in the pool. So not as many have started triathlon as I would have liked, but there are a few that have, um, which is pretty cool. And yeah, a lot of them do follow me and, and check in with me, um, on races and things like that, which is pretty cool and very special for me. And it's more special for me to see, them like out in the real world um a girl that I coached Claire was just messaging me the other day she's like can I put you down as a recommendation or reference for like um whatever the bar exam for law school I was like absolutely just you know when you become like a famous lawyer remember remember me and uh if I ever need legal advice I expect you to be there (laughs) reciprocity um (laughs) Um, but like many pro triathletes, as you mentioned, you have another job. And I think currently you work for Sir Fido Performance Alt Red Nutrition Supplements. But unlike most triathletes, when you took this job in 2019, you spent eight months actually living in the company van. And you were working expos and traveling to races. So we talked to Paula Finley a few weeks ago about van life. And she admitted that she uses her van more for storage than actually living in. But you really did proper van life as a pro triathlete. So what was that like? Yeah, it was a hot mess is what it was. One thing I learned was that I am not cut out for van life. I have too many things and too much stuff that I like feel like I need to bring with me. Did you go into it with like the end date knowing like, or was it uncertain at the time? Like, did they have that time carved out for you as this would be the van lifetime? Yes. Essentially it was, it was more or less like the Ironman season. So starting in April or May, beginning of May, I think until December or around that time. Um, so there wasn't, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I had these big plans cause I was like, this is going to be amazing. Um, cause I took, I, the company I worked for when I initially moved to Boulder, um, I stopped working for them for this van life opportunity. I was like, I'm going to save so much money because I'm not going to have rent. Like most living expenses are going to be covered. Um, and like travel to races. Like I won't have to like pay for travel. I'll have accommodations. I'll have, um, you know, like, and, and just travel covered. Cause I'd be working the expos. Um, unfortunately I like start, this was like kind of a start of an injury. So all my plans for this great racing and saving money kind of went down the drain, but I, I saw some amazing places. Um, and it was, I'm so happy for the experience. Um, cause I learned a lot about myself but yeah, I, I, I can't be ever talked into doing that for that long again. Like for a weekend or something would be great, but, but for, you know, full time, no. What was the, <laughs> the biggest challenge for you with it? Um, I honestly think just like, like logistics, like um, every time I was in, I was in a new town, probably every other like three or four days. So Googling places to go swimming, um, places to go ride my bike. I wasn't running at the time. And then at that same time, I was like trying to find physical therapists and doctors. So I was like 
who do I know in this town that might have like a physical therapist or like a doctor I can see to get this injury figured out. Um, so I think that was the most challenging. And then there's this big bike box thing that I got in the back of the van to store my like road bike and my TT bike. And it was just like, it was falling apart. And I'm I like, the fact that I never lost those two bikes on the road is a miracle. <laughs> so it's very, that was very stressful. I was like, I'm going to be driving and they're just going to fly off the, the van and I'm not going to have any bikes. <laughs> Where did you park? I mean, was that arranged for by the company or did you have to figure that one out? So I had to figure that out, um, which was more or less, so sometimes it was fun, but we, I was allowed to stay at like campgrounds. So I stayed at a lot of KOAs. KOAs are amazing. They have like, you know, showers, you know, place to like plug your van in so you can get electricity, um, bathrooms, which is great. You know, you, there's, you only number one in the van, you don't number two in the van because you like drive around with that. I mean, yeah. And then you have to like empty it. So, <laughs> but normal plumbing is, is, a, is so great to have. <laughs> yeah. Do you just shower? Like when you go to the pool, is that, or you like find a gym? Yeah. Shower at the pool after you swim. Um, and I'm someone who like, I like to shower a lot. Like I won't, like, I hate going to bed. Like, I, like I can't exercise and then go to bed, like sleep in my bed. I feel so gross. Cause I'm like a very heavy sweater. So I'm like, just disgusting. Um, so I like the showering at the campgrounds as well. Oh yeah, that's right. You're at a campground and I'm like cooking. Are you cooking in the van or did you just like grab takeout? I ate out a lot, a lot. I uh, lived in the Whole Foods, like salad bar, hot food place, which I miss so dearly now that COVID took that away. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I bought a rice cooker though. So I maybe use that twice. <laughs> and if, would this have continued in 2020 if the pandemic hadn't happened? Were you going to go back out on the road? Uh, not in a van, not, not in a van. I told him, I was like, and I can't work that expo schedule where you were literally like in a new expo every weekend was it's exhausting. Um, but I was going to work a handful of expos. I was more or less like once every month was going to be the plan, but then the world ended. So, um, <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> and Lisa, you touched on this a little bit, but as van life kind of kicked off, you were in the beginning stage of an injury, um, which was a pretty major one. So can you tell us about those struggles that you had with compartment syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. I would not wish this on anyone because it's such a weird, um, a weird thing because it's not like something, it doesn't feel like a broken bone or a stress fracture or like a, like I kind of felt like a pulled muscle, but it was a very specific timing. Um, so like I just, I couldn't run more than like 10 to 20 minutes without my calf feeling like I was like straining it, which is really odd. So I kept taking like more time off. Um, I'm like, it, it shouldn't like a calf strain shouldn't be taking this long to, to recover from, um, I got an MRI and it said that I had like essentially had like tears in three different parts of my calf. So the doctor's like, yeah, just, you know, rest more, just bike, you swim and it'll, it'll, you know, get better. And it was kind of like this roller coaster of like, oh, I'm starting to do some runs. Oh, nope, it's not good anymore. So it's just kind of like, what is it's like, something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. And it wasn't until I actually got back from van life that um, my, my uh, PT in town was like, you need to go see Dr. Cabayas. He's amazing. We're going to figure it out. And um, 
we actually tried a couple different things, but um, he's like, I think we should test for compartment syndrome. I was like, let's do it. And sure enough, like we tested it that day. And um, when I was just like sitting, they stick this massive needle in like your leg and it tests like this pressure in these compartments, like where your muscles are covered with fascia and stuff. And then you exercise and then they do that again to test like what the pressures are. And it's like, it's like the size of like a small pen. Um, oh, did it hurt? Um, I didn't think it was too bad because they put lidocaine on it before they actually like stuck it in. But <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it again. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that next morning I was, I was uh, talking to the surgeon about um, surgery. I mean, I was like haggling. I'm like, let's do surgery tomorrow. Um, get me, And apparently that's not how surgery works. You know, they have to like plan an OR room and call your insurance and things like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got surgery in January, 2020. And um, I, I mean, kind of moving back a little bit, but while you were struggling with with the injury and you didn't have it diagnosed yet and you hadn't had the surgery yet, you did actually enter a few pro races and you did them as an aqua bike. And so I'm, I'm trying to like wrap my head around this, like where you would, you know, for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with aqua bikes, you do the swim and you do the bike and then you stop and you don't do the run and you have kind of like a planned DNF, do not finish. Was it hard to enter those races? I mean, these are pro races and then just stop. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, I did Gulf Coast in 2019. I actually had to pull out because of my calf um, and DNF. And that was that was like very mentally devastating for me just because I was like, I think like I like you want to make it. This is my second year as a pro. And I just like I didn't do anything my first year. And I wanted to like prove that I'm a pro and whatever. And um, I don't know. But but then I got to a point and I um, I was like, well, I'm going to be at these races anyways, and I can gain a ton of valuable experience from swimming, like learning how to pack swim better. And then like just biking my little heart out to see if I can, you know, find the front of the race. And that's kind of what I would do um, in the aqua, in the aqua bikes. But it was hard always like at the end, but it would be cool because I would finish and then I'd go watch my friends, you know, win and things like that. So there was just a different perspective of a race as well. And do you think that like, you know, now that you've had some time and you've been in races and you've finished many races, do you think that that was a good training tactic for a time when you couldn't run? I think so because it, um, it allowed me to focus on what I could do in the moment opposed to like what I couldn't do. And I do think that I learned a lot in, in that time, um, that I was able to actually like I, that I benefit from now, um, like just being more confident in my swim and, um, just feeling like I can put myself in the race on the bike. Um, and I think that kind of carried over to 2020 and, uh, the start of this year. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, training wise, I think, I mean, it's a great, you know, like any race you do is like such a great training effort. As long as you don't like hurt yourself, um, you get a big fitness boost from it. So, and for me, it was, I love racing. I love the camaraderie of it and I love just the atmosphere. So that, to be a part of a, a part of that was fun. And we listened to another podcast and in that one, you talked about needing to log off of social media while you were recovering from the surgery. So can you talk a little bit about how kind of your relationship with social media has been and how it might change depending on how things are actually going in, you know, quote, real life? Yeah. 
<laughs> first of all, social media, uh, it's, it's so awesome because you can connect with so many people on it, but it's such a, I think it's like ruining our society, to be honest. <laughs> like there's, and I don't know if you guys feel like this as well, but sometimes you're just like, wow, you're, you feel like you're constantly comparing yourself to other people on social media. And I like just me, I spend so much time on it. I'm like, at the end of the day, do you ever get those like iPhone notifications? Like, oh, your screen time is up or down. And I'm like, how much time did I spend like on my phone? Like, that's insane. Um, so I think I didn't take like, I didn't take a break from social media when I was injured, but I wish I had um, when I was recovering because it just gets you so antsy and starts and makes you kind of like get um, like impatient. And I think that like being impatient while you're recovering from a surgery is can be very detrimental to you, like mentally and physically, if you're trying to rush back into into whatever. Um, so but yeah, love hate relationship with social media for sure. <laughs> You have some good things on your on your Instagram now, but going going back to this patience thing, I'm a little curious about like, you know, do you feel like you had the surgery in January 2020, and then like you said, the world kind of turned upside down? Do you feel like the pandemic kind of helped you be a little bit more patient with your recovery? Absolutely, and it was for me, it was a blessing in disguise because I was rushing to get back to racing as soon as possible. And had the pandemic never happened, I probably would have tried to race in June. And there's no way I would have been ready. And um, when you're coming back from an injury and you're a very motivated and driven person and you put yourself in a competitive atmosphere um, and like with realistic knowledge that it's probably not going to go well, but you just kind of like hold this hope inside that it will go well. Like it can be so detrimental to your confidence and to like your psyche and um I, I just so I'm like very happy that the pandemic for that reason happened and kind of made me pump the brakes and slow down a bit. So your advice for people if you're like not in a pandemic would be to like just slow yourself down and know it would be hopefully you don't need a global pandemic to make that happen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like being being patient with yourself and knowing that it's not going to be a straight line to to recovery. Like there's going to be days when you're going to feel like whatever's back and it's not like smooth sailing. Um, and, and more time, like we're in endurance sports. Like we literally, like it takes time to build this aerobic engine and like you get better with age. Like, I mean, Meredith Kessler's out there kicking butt and she's 42 years old, like absolutely dominating. So, um, yeah, patience. Do you <laughs> feel like getting back to like, a good doctor that gave you an official diagnosis and, you know, you were able to have surgery, which kind of after some time of not really knowing and try like starting and stopping again and things like that. Do you think that allowed you to kind of get like a fresh training mindset going into 2021 as well? Um, I think so. I, well, I, I'm trying to get into the, to the point where I'm thinking more about, um, that everything that happens to you kind of happens for a reason or happens so that you can learn something about yourself. Um, and so I think that whole experience helped me learn a lot about myself. And um, because of that, I think it's really helped my mentality moving forward in 2021. And I also started working with like this mental coach and he's unbelievable um, with what he's been able to teach me and kind of what, 
just giving me perspective and tools to, um, I guess, make myself like a, a stronger mental athlete, which is just only going to transfer into better like physical performances. Um, so what do you mean by stronger mental athlete? Is this like things you're thinking about while you're racing? Um, more or less, like more just day-to-day life, um, to be honest, like day daily training um, and just like recognizing what thoughts are coming in your head and just like you know how when you're like you're talking to someone you're just going about your day and then something like annoys you a little and you don't know why um and you're like why did that like why did that annoy me like and we usually just like are like oh that was annoying and don't kind of read more into it but I'm learning to like read more into it and being like why is this triggering me you know because it's usually that means I'm gonna learn something about myself um whether that's like an insecurity I have or a lack of confidence or um, just something that I need to, that I need to work on mentally. Um, so I, if, if that makes sense. So I think the more calm and more um, at peace with my thoughts are the better, you know, the better everything in life is going to be. You're going to be able to live in the moment better. You're going to, perform better because you're not going to have all these distractions. You're just going to be with yourself riding your bike in the race. Um, And going back to kind of what we were saying about social media, that what you were talking about is probably a good practice for us all to, you know, if you find yourself feeling like social media is like more of a negative tool for you than a positive tool, right? Like as you're scrolling or doing whatever you're doing and you're finding yourself annoyed at something like stop and acknowledge it and then figure out like what, that is about right and how you can maybe make some changes to make that not be the thing mute mute yeah (laughs) mute and unfollow you know and maybe it does come down to that so right yeah no absolutely and you I mean you hit the nail on the head that's that's it just being conscious but if you don't like you said like yeah have that conscious ability to be trained to like stop and figure it out it just will keep happening yeah and then you're just gonna be like more miserable and more sad and you know just in your head and that's never we don't we're in our heads all day long like we don't need to like overthink everything we gotta like enjoy life I'm wondering <laughs> if you've like have you been annoyed by anything in this conversation no <laughs> oh my god no. I can't believe Haley has that in her backdrop oh my god oh my gosh yeah I mean that window it's offensive no I'm just kidding no not at all no and I'm like a pretty like laid back I'm like very outgoing and um like bubbly person to be around so but you know it's just like every now and then you're like oh someone said like that was like annoying that they said that or like said it in a weird tone or whatever even even if it's like a text message you know how you get text messages and if there's like no punctuation you're like why are they yelling at me or like why are they mad or like and they're not but you're just like over you're overthinking like the the tone they're using via text message which you can never understand in a text message what tone someone's saying um But yeah, no, I'm not annoyed about anything you guys have said. <laughs> Nothing has triggered me. Not yet. Not yet. We're not I done know. yet. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Moving from uh, what's in your head on a long ride. I know you are a big fan of long rides. What is your favorite long ride fuel? Because I think we're going to get a good answer here. Ooh. Um, yeah. I, well, I like anything but candy. Candy. Mostly. I like fueled by candy. Um do you have a favorite? Like what, what, like what fits well in your pocket? Um, I do like, you know, all the weird candies that people are like, those are disgusting. 
those are the candies that I really like. You know, like the the circus peanuts. Almond Joys. Almond Joys are bad. Yeah, Almond Joys are good. Yeah. <laughs> what about the taffy? What about when it's like the taffy covered, like the peanut butter covered in taffy? That's one of my favorites. That's like really hard to find. The peanut butter covered in taffy. Yeah, it's in a yellow wrapper. It looks like a taxi cab, like print on the wrapper. Uh, I don't look for it. They're I don't hard to that, find. I don't know if I've ever had that. Which like they I might have, not like, be in Colorado too much either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely in the south. <laughs> and old fashioned candy. Like if you find like a good old fashioned store with like the the weird candies. Oh, so good. And like sugar, fun dip. I'm really into fun dips right now. That doesn't seem like it's a good one to like try and eat while not, you're riding. No, no not ideal for riding, not, but ideal every other time of the Maybe day. Maybe for the trainer. I don't know. Yeah. Or you have like some pixie sticks. I'm going to be like, oh. we're going to see you in a race and you're just like yeah. throwing <laughs> Does anyone ever give you a hard time for your nutrition? Like, do they say, oh, you should try something like, you know, a little more scientific? Oh, I'm sure. People are like, you eat so much candy. Like my best friend, Laura, when I was staying with her in, in uh, Tucson, like I would eat like so much candy and she's like, it makes me want to eat candy. Like you're going to make me diabetic, like being here. (laughs) And, um, I don't know, but I think it's just like, yeah, like I, I'm not, uh, for me, for someone who was like, I actually, I should eat more vegetables and like real good foods, but I don't know how to cook. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of like eat what tastes good, what I feel like eating. So, and that's candy a lot of times. (laughs) All right, Lisa, we know things are still super tentative and up in the air these days, but do you have ideas for where we might be able to catch you racing later this year? Yes, I plan on racing St. George in 19 days um, with everyone else on the start list. You know, I'm sure everyone will show up to that waste as well. Um, Are you guys going to be there? I'm planning on being there. So hopefully I'll Heck see you yeah. there. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know it was um, 19 days. So that was me coming. Thanks. Well, I only, I only know this because yesterday we were out. Um, There's a couple of us that were at like the Galveston. We actually went to a Mexican place and I was drinking pina coladas. And Sam's like, yeah, we, Sam Long's like, we got to like let, let, today's the day to let loose. There's 20 days until St. Ironman St. George. So that's the only reason I know it was 19 days today. But. Oh, I bet you're like, you're like licking your fun dip and counting on days in your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Got it. <laughs> no, I have one last question. Okay. I read one of your like bios and it says that, you know, the words to every Taylor Swift song. What do you think oh. about the new fearless? Re- this is a very like sign. This is a very like triathlon specific question, but the new fearless re-release Taylor's version. Um, I ha- I don't think I've listened to that yet. But that's a complete lie. I don't know all the lyrics to every Taylor Swift song. That was our um, at, so uh, SID. I don't even know what that stands for anymore. At the college I was working at, was like likes to put like random untrue things in people's bio. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, okay. So, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. I. But I love. I love T Swift. Like she's like, yeah, she's an icon for sure. Um, but I haven't, yeah, I don't even know what that song is. Don't, I'm really bad if you like name the names of songs or if you, uh, like there's a song on radio and you're like, I love this X, Y, Z artist. Do you like this song? I'm like, I don't, I have no idea what that is, but if it plays, like, I'm like, yeah, I know that song, but nothing about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we know now <laughs> not to read everything, everything, everything we read online is might not be true. Even from a university. <laughs> Um, Lisa congratulations again on your race in Texas great you know good recovery vibes for you this week and hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks in St. George yeah thank you so much thank you both for for having me it was this awesome I like following you guys on social media 
That's where I spend all my social media hours is on other social media channels. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. This is, it's been awesome. Excited. Looking forward to uh, some more racing in 2021. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Okay, Alyssa, there is actually another race happening this weekend. Florida 70.3 does have a pro race. Um, I don't think there's going to be any streaming coverage, but are you going to be sitting there on the tracker again this Sunday trying to figure out what's happening? I'm sure I will be, Haley. I'm going to have to like clear the house of all other devices on the internet to make sure my internet is free and clear and ready. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, it is exciting that races are happening again and they're fun to follow, even if it is frustrating to, to be refreshing and tracking on the app. Yes, I, I do find it fun and inspiring to watch some of these performances and, and women really coming out of the pandemic with fast, fast racing. So um, things seem to be heating up and, you know, it's it's fun. It's great. And I love he- talking to athletes like Lisa about their races and that makes it kind of fun for us in current. So appreciate her coming on. And um, Alyssa, hopefully I will be here next week. You know, uh, hopefully mild, mild vaccine symptoms. Hopefully I just, I get yours, <laughs> get your same symptoms. And I'll just be like, oh, do I feel bad? (laughs) But that just might be you. I'm going to be like the one who's like, oh, I can't get out of bed. But that's okay. It's worth it. You know, it's worth it for um, whatever, 94% efficacy of protection. I'll take it. I'll take one day Totally. Yes, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, no matter what, um, good luck with your your vaccine. No matter what the side effects are, like you said, it's worth it. And um, just keep us posted and we'll, we'll chat about it whenever you are back. Okay, Alyssa, have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.